0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Covering the sports betting landscape
2: from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America on BSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: VEASAN is in the middle of 56 hours of free video coverage on VEASAN.com. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to have every angle and analysis of the big game covered for you starting with Point Spread Sunday, then the Lombardi Line, followed by an exclusive one-on-one interview with Brent Musburger and legendary sports bettor Billy Walters. This exclusive one-hour interview is only on VEASAN. Then we've got you covered all the way up to kickoff with our free game coverage during the game. We're going to have Betcast that's going to tell you what props have already cashed during the game as well as helping you make in-game wagers. VEASAN, the sports Betting Network is completely free all weekend long at Beeson.com. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. I am here at Circus Sportsbook. Wes is over at Mandalay Bay. And, Wes, what a great show we've had. and just gets better when we have the former head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Chuck Pagano, joining us now. Coach, it's great to have you on the program. Thanks for taking some time here the day before the big game. And, you know, Wes and I were just talking to you before we began this year. You know, I looked up here, and your coaching career goes all the way back to 1984 as a grad assistant at USC, and then you get to sit out and just enjoy the game like the rest of us. What's the difference like for you not having the stress of coaching in the NFL anymore?
4: Oh, man, it's it's really good. I miss, there's a lot that you miss. There's a lot that I miss, you know, about the game and, you know, you do it for so long and, you know, the relationships and the competition game day, the locker room, you know, those, those great victories, all those kind of things. But again, you don't, there's a lot of stuff that I don't miss and, and the stresses is, is obviously one of those things. And it was, it was always fun and it was good. And, we, you know, Obviously, the more prepared you are, the I think the less stress you you have. Obviously, but uh, no, life's good. Enjoying just being a fan.
2: Coach, uh, uh, just uh, looking at the game tomorrow, and obviously you are very familiar with one Matthew Stafford, and I go back to when you were in Indianapolis as the head coach, and I got invited by some uh, a friend of mine in the Colts organization to go up to Westfield and watch training camp, and you guys had the Detroit Lions in to do scrimmage uh, before a preseason game, and I remember that was my first look up close at Matthew Stafford and just how he can fling that ball and he can throw it in the windows that are like, you know, at the bottom of your door where the sunlight kind of creeps in, those small windows, and just was amazed at what he can do. And you've got a lot of experience going against him, not only as a head coach, but when you were the defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears. uh, How do you game plan for a guy like Matthew Stafford? Is this a guy that, okay, you just got to bring pressure against, or do you want to play coverage where it's like, I don't want to let him beat me deep, but I got to give him the underneath stuff and just hope we can get a stop that we bend, but we don't break?
4: Yeah, yeah, he's uh, obviously a a super, super talented uh, cat. I remember, you know, distinctly going up against those guys and, you know, doing that joint practice um, before that that preseason game. And uh, Coach Caldwell was there then, and we had a we had a great workout with those guys. And yeah, to see him up close and personal like that, you know, for those three days, you know, especially the two days of practice and stuff. I mean, you just—he's he, such a great teammate and a great competitor. Uh, the skill set and the arm talent, all those things—he can—he can make all the throws. Um, you know, when preparing for him, you know, he's just like, you know, the Brady's and the Mannings and and all these great quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, again, all those guys can can make all the throws, but uh, and he can beat you in so many ways. So I think mixing things up. Um, against Matthew is good. I think you got to get pressure, uh, you know, in his face. Uh, they'll have to do a nice job, obviously, of pushing the pocket inside, um, those kind of things. But, you know, and then he can get out and he's go. He's got his eyes down the field. He's athletic and mobile enough, you know, to beat you and extend plays, you know, with his legs. So. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a real talent. I remember we took the lead late in in the game. I think we opened with him in sixteen, and and he went right down the field on us and and made play after play, and we ended up losing that game. So, yeah, um, you know, love watching love watching this kid play, and and you know, I love what happened this year. You know, going into the Rams with all those expectations and all that they gave up for him, it's really cool to see him have the success.
3: Talking with Coach Chuck Pagano right here, betting across America on Vison and, and Coach. You know, it's interesting because. I think we, we all talk about the quarterbacks as rightfully so when you get to a Super Bowl, right? You look at the Rams, and they have obvious star power on defense with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. I just look at the Bengals' defense as maybe the most non-discussed, overlooked unit possibly out there uh, in the Super Bowl. What has it been about this Bengals group that's elevated their play in the postseason and shut down the Chiefs? Uh, It was remarkable to me to shut them down the second half the way they did to get to this point. What is it about this Bengals defense that's going right for that unit?
4: Yeah, they do. They do a lot of uh, things really well. And like you said, it's hard to name. You know, if you just walk up to anybody and say, name a bunch of guys, you know, starters on the Bengals defense. I don't know if they could do it, (laughs) you know. Uh, hear about Hendricks and Hubbard and, and those kind of things. But, you know, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, has done such a great job down there and, uh, you know, building, building that defense. Logan Wilson, you know, uh, Wyoming alumni, love what he's doing there in the middle of that defense for them. But they're really, I mean, they're salty, you know, and they can, they can you know, pressure you. They can rush with four. Um, you know, they do a great job in, in coverage. Uh, they do a good job disguising. You know, Lou, you know, he does, you know, really good things with, uh, you know, his pressure package and, and again, they'll have to do some really good stuff to, you know, defend this, this Rams, you know, offense and uh, get pressure on the quarterback and then, you know, contain, you know, Cooper cup and, and, uh, you know, Odell and, and those kind of things. I'm, I just think they're, they're, you know, kind of flying under the radar. I think they play with a chip on their shoulder just because of what you mentioned. You know, they don't have the, the star power and the names, the big names and the lights and, and uh, <laughs> you know, glitter of L.A. and all those kind of things. But, yeah, they um, they play really hard and they're good tackling uh, defense. They play really hard. and They run. They give great effort, run to the ball and hit you. So um, excited to see what they can do.
2: So, Coach, we'll have you role play here and be uh, in uh, the role of Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator of the Rams, who doesn't quite have a no-name defense. He's got a lot of superstars on that unit, Jalen Ramsey, and, of course, the defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald. But... How do you see them attacking Cincinnati? Because the one thing that we have seen out of Cincinnati this year, even though Joe Burrow only in his second year in the league, number one in the league against the Blitz, 11.2 yards per attempt, and he absolutely shreds the Blitz. So if you're running the defense for the Rams, are you looking at like, okay, my front four's just got to get home, and I don't want to send extra rushers and risk getting guys wide open down the field? Or, you know, do you kind of just sit back maybe and play a little, like, cover four
4: or give him the underneath stuff. Yeah, no, I, I think obviously they can get there with four. And so when you just look at those numbers and you see how good Joey B uh, is versus the blitz, um, you know, like you mentioned, you really no no reason to, and with all the weapons that he has, you know, on the outside with Jamar uh, T Higgins, um, you know, Boyd, uh, you know, they they just you know they got so much where you know you can get home with four guys you know Aaron Donald Leonard Leonard Floyd Von Miller rush four Bengals offensive line has been suspect we know that right and you know Tennessee sacks you know Joe nine times in that game and they still come out with a win. Um, i think if i 'm raheem i'd be you know i 'd pick and choose my moments if i had to you know get after the quarterback and and certainly put him under some duress and some stress and things like that but um they can rush four drop seven roll the coverage um you know to cup take take him away and then you know um, you know do a great job with the, with the other guys and and uh, but yeah I, I you know being able to rush four, and not have to blitz and put your guys on an island and let that kid make some big plays, real advantage for, for L.A.
3: Talking with former Indianapolis head coach Chuck Pagano. And, Chuck, you know, it is interesting. If you go back, this is a second time, obviously, for Sean McVay. And he mentioned how he, how he was outcoached by Bill Belichick that first time around. Wes and I didn't mind the game because it was a defensive-minded game. We like defensive football, Coach. What do you think Sean McVay learned from that to do differently to have a different result in 2.0?
4: Yeah. You know, great, great question. And what was that, that, that game 13 to three, 13, three, mm-hmm. 13 to right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I see this. I, I don't see that happening again. And we got two good defenses. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. They just got too much firepower. I think, you know, having Matthew Stafford there now uh, with Sean, um, he's done a great job with that kid and he's, the chemistry came uh, really, really fast. So, um, yeah, being being there again, uh, certainly go back and you know, look at those things, you know, where they struggled, you know, what Belichick did to them uh, in that game. Look at all the games this year and, and so forth, uh, where they struggled and who really defended them really well. Because because if, if you're Sensi, you know you're going to replicate some of that. What you know, what's close, um, you know, to your coverage package, your your blitz package, those type of things. So I'm sure he studied the heck out of that tape, and feels like you know they're much further along with, especially with Matthew Stafford, they're a quarterback. Coach,
2: uh, just to close it out here, just want to get an update on how you're doing yes. now in retired life. Of course, I remember being back in Indianapolis, and we, uh, you know, Chuck Strong absolutely galvanized the city of Indianapolis and the Colts Nation and the Colts fan base. And Coach Arians taking over when you were out having your treatments, leaving the light on in the office. How are you doing now in terms of your health and your retired life and everything that's going on with you? Yeah,
4: doing really good. I appreciate you ask and, uh, you know, really proud of, of what we, what we accomplished, you know, and they, especially, uh, you mentioned in the Chuck Strong, you know, our foundation there and really proud of the money You know, almost $10 million, uh, wow. we've raised, you know, in, in that period of time with every penny going, you know, right to, you know, Simon Cancer Center, uh, for cancer research, um, you know, research, you know, saved my life. And so I feel really blessed and, uh, you know to have the ability to keep keep going, giving back. Um, you know nobody fights alone. NFA is kind of our motto. You know, so feel uh, blessed to be around, still to be able to do that. And um, yeah, boys, life's life's good. Health is health is great. Yeah, I'm living a, I'm living a blessed life, guys.
3: That's awesome. Continued good health to you, sir. Thank you very much for joining us. Betting across America, right here on Veasan, the sports betting network. Call 1-800-522-4700. We continue betting across America. I am Dave Ross. Here at Circus Sportsbook, Wes Reynolds is over at Mandalay Bay. Wes, it was great having uh, head coach Chuck Pagano, formerly of the Indianapolis Colts, join us in the last segment. And we asked him about Sean McVay and essentially what happens 2.0. You and I have talked a lot about it, that, that drubbing he had defensively, where they were held to three points uh, a few years back in his first go-around in the Super Bowl Uh, let's hear from head coach Sean McVay on what might be different this time around.
0: You look at yourself in the mirror, you take accountability, and then you keep it moving. Uh, You know, I I think as a competitor, you have to be able to handle those tough moments. And uh, I'll never run away from the fact that I didn't do a good enough job for our team. Um, You know, within what I feel like, you know, my role and responsibility is to these guys. I think you say, okay, if you had it differently, you know, what are the things that you learn as far as the decision making, the adjustability, the ability to be totally in the moment during the game and be able to make those adjustments quicker.
3: Wes, when I hear that from Sean McVay, it just makes me like him more because, mm-hmm. you know, we talk a lot about the coaches in this league. And if you're touched by McVay, I always joke about that. Boof, you get a head coaching job. I can understand why to a degree because you look at Zach Taylor. That was his former OC there in LA. And now he's got the Bengals in the Super Bowl. There's something right. about McVay and his transparency that I really like, Wes. When you hear that, And he doesn't shy away from what happened. the first. A lot of times guys go, hey, man, don't ask me about that, right? He doesn't shy Mm -hmm. away from it at all. It's almost like he embraces it and says, yeah, I didn't do a good enough job around the first time around. Do you think, like me, that he certainly learned some valuable lessons that his team is going to benefit from tomorrow?
2: Well, if you're going by the trend, and the trend is your friend here, you would certainly think so because, uh, you know, this is Sean McVay's second appearance now on the big stage in the Super Bowl, but this is Zach Taylor's first time. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, Dave, I think that first Super Bowl win or lose is a learning experience because if you look in terms of coaches who are in their second Super Bowl versus coaches that are in their first Super Bowl, and I did find some information on this, the second time around coach against the rookie coach, in the Super Bowl is 7-2 and two in terms of the history. The most recent example was two years ago in Super Bowl 54 when Andy Reid beat Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan, of course, was in his first time as a Super Bowl head coach and Andy Reid in his second. And then his third time, of course, last year against Bruce Arians didn't go as well. But Andy Reid that second time around I do think was more prepared for that moment. Uh, It's only happened twice where the rookie head coach has beaten the second time Super Bowl head coach. And that goes back to Super Bowl 45 when it was Mike McCarthy with the Green Bay Packers against Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then the other time it happened, uh, I believe, was uh, Mike Shanahan over Mike Holmgren in Super Bowl 32, Mm -hmm. Denver over Green Bay. So we've got these examples Reed over Shanahan in Super Bowl 54, Bill Belichick over John Fox in Super Bowl 38. Dick Vermeil over Jeff Fisher in Super Bowl 34, Uh, George Seifert over Bobby Ross in Super Bowl 29, Bill Parcells over Marv Levy in Super Bowl 25, Hank Stram over Bud Grant in Super Bowl 4, and then Vince Lombardi over John Rauch in Super Bowl 2. So seven and two for the second time head coach against the first time head coach in the Super Bowl.
3: It's amazing when you look at Zach Taylor, only in his third year, 16 games under 500. As a head, Mm -hmm. that's inexplicable to get all the way from, from the ruins of years one and two. But, of course, Joe Burrow coincides with him getting to Cincinnati last year as the number one pick at LSU to that monumental turnaround that he's had here in year number three. Now, Zach Taylor was on that staff the first go around for Sean McVay when they did lose to the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Let's hear what Zach Taylor
1: has to say this time around. I've played against my brother four times. I've, I've coached against Sean. I've coached against Matt. There's so many people in this league at this point, you know, 10 years in, that are always on the sidelines across from you. And that's just part of the game. There's no added, oh, I want to beat this guy. No, it's, it's the Bengals playing the Rams for the Super Bowl. Our team wants to beat their team. It really has nothing to do with the relationships on the other side of the ball or across the other sidelines.
3: And Again, he's right. I mean, look, they're going to be enemies for about four hours, however long the game goes, and they're going to be friends after it because obviously they have a great relationship together. But how much does that factor into your handicap with one guy knowing the other guy? Because, again, they know each other intimately, at least as play callers. I mean, Sean McVay literally Mm -hmm. knows and probably helped teach Zach Taylor how to be an efficient play caller in the NFL.
2: Well, and and what you see, Dave, and I think it's not just with these two coaches that we're going to see tomorrow, but kind of throughout the league, is a lot of these younger and newer head coaches are very good, what I would call like script coaches. They're very good with the game plan. They're great game planners throughout the week and, and, and studying the film, figuring it out, running the numbers, looking at some of the advanced math and the advanced stats. And they have a really good game plan more often than not. you know, the scripted, you know, some people, it's what, 10 plays or 12 plays or the first 15 plays and they've got the very good script, but you know, the old adage of, of the fight game, everybody's got a game plan (laughs) until you get punched in the mouth. Absolutely. And I think both these coaches, I think really qualify in terms of, and I mentioned one earlier, Kyle Shanahan, they're very good game planners, but what it takes so long to learn in this league, Dave, is clock management and game management. Those are the toughest things to learn, and that's what separates the great ones, including a couple that I mentioned, uh, the Bill Belichick's of the world, right. and and you know even, even Andy Reid can sometimes struggle with it, and he's going to go to the Hall of Fame someday, but the real high-end coaches, the Bill Belichick's and the Sean Payton's and the coaches that have won Super Bowls, are the ones that eventually have to figure that out. Not just the game plan, not just the film study, not not just the play calling, but the game management, the time management, the clock management, the various, like you like to say, games within the game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're going to know each other's tendency, but this is going to come down to, OK, when we get into situational management, you know, what are we going to do here on fourth and two in the no man's land from the 35 or the 36? Are we going to go? Are we going to trust the kicker? You know, when do I play field position? When do I go for it? Right. And it's those situations. Look, Sean McVay's only in his fifth year as an NFL head coach, and Zach Taylor only in his third. These are young head coaches, Dave, so they're still, I think – trying to find their identity really as coaches. It takes a long time. And, you know, I mentioned Belichick earlier. Of course, he got fired in Cleveland. Right. You know, it didn't work out for him with the Jets either. It took his third trip to, I think, kind of figure out how to build a culture and really figure out what he does best as a head coach. So when you have these young head coaches, that just adds another – Really hard variable to handicap and quantify here.
3: I thought when you had Mike Peranio on earlier in the program, of course, the sportsbook manager over there at Mandalay Bay, and he said, you know, a lot of people going to the window on this team of destiny thing, right? Which is normally not the best way to handicap uh, how how you actually want to wager this contest. But when you do look at Zach Taylor, undefeated, three and zero, right, mm-hmm. and winning two of those mm-hmm. games on the road against the number one seed Tennessee in the last play of the game, and then against the, the favorite, really, in Kansas City on the last play of the game. There's no real scar tissue there so far for Zach right. Taylor. There is some for Sean McVay. Does that factor into the handicapping at all for you? Uh-
2: not really. If anything, I would kind of give the edge to the one that has the scar tissue. It's like a, it's like when we had Jeff Jarrett on, you know, when you've got the wrestler and you've got the scar tissue, and you know where you got to do like a like a blade job, and you had the blade, <laughs> razor blade in your in your tape, and you know to get cut and sure. to get color and to get some blood or and whatnot. It's not fake blood. It's just knowing where to cut and having that scar tissue. And Sean McVay has that. He has. He's dealt with the pain. He's had to deal with the emotion of this game. This is all new. For for Zach Taylor, so it depends on which way you want to look at it. Do you want to say, well, he knows enough to know what he doesn't know, and he doesn't know any better, and maybe that's a good thing because he's never been in that situation, and Sean McVay has. I mean, you know, sometimes sometimes the pain can can just be there for a team. We know Marv Levy, look, what, what he lost yes. four Super Bowls, right? And he's a Hall of Fame coach, a tremendous coach. But it just so happened, those circumstances, and that's what the Super Bowl is a lot of times, is circumstance. You know, you run into a great team. You run into a Dallas or somebody. Mm -hmm. like that and it's just well they got better dudes than I got dudes and we just got beat but so much of it is circumstances and obviously a little bit of luck
3: there's no question about it and again to the point about Marv leaving I think it's an excellent point we talked to Daryl Moose Johnston early in the program from the Dallas Cowboys and he mentioned that first go around against the Bills the Bills are going to the third straight Super Bowl right the Cowboys were favored mm-hmm. in that game. So even though they were young, with Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin, never been there, and they had the youngest, as Daryl Moose-Johnson pointed out, the youngest roster in the NFL, that really benefited the Cowboys. They just flat out had the better team. I don't think that's the case with the Bengals here. So it's not like, mm-hmm. even though they're young and inexperienced, they got the better guys. No, the Rams technically have the better guys And they have the experienced head coach now in Sean McVay in his fifth year. So I can understand where Rams backers go. That's really going to benefit us the second time around for Sean McVay. So it's going to be very interesting, the battle of wits between these two head coaches. All right, when we come back here, Wes, make it into some head-to-head props that we see, maybe even for those quarterbacks, and see what you like. Come on back. It's Betting Across America right here on V.C. The Sports Betting Network.
0: Is betting across America on vsin, the Sports
2: Betting Network.
3: Do you have any questions about betting the Super Bowl, wondering on how to hedge, or maybe looking for unusual props or insights from one of our hosts? Well, the vsin big game help desk is here for you. Submit your questions at slash Super Bowl, and it could be answered by one of our experts on air or on vsin.com. Dave Ross alongside one of those experts, Wes Reynolds. And Wes, very quickly to that point. Because you are a very smart man. You had pre-flop to the start of this NFL season, Rams, to win the Super Bowl. Here we are, all these months later, and you could possibly cash that ticket tomorrow. So I'm sure somebody in the help desk is going to say, Wes Reynolds,
2: how do you head? Mm-hmm. What's your answer? Yeah and and that of course uh, at Super Bowl, and you can get those help desk answers I know Adam Burke I'm getting in there Dave Tooley, some other folks are answering these questions and that has come up and and I've had people come up to me in various uh events uh, our event last night actually yeah. that we did down at the, that we had down at the South Point with Chris Andrews and Stormy Bon and Tony and Jimmy vicaro, Vinny Maiulo down there for the beers and the uh, beers and bets event or I forget the name of it but <laughs> Anyway, David, right. uh, one, yeah, one, one of the attendees asked me about, hey, I got a Ram Super Bowl future. What do you do here? And I said, you can go a couple different options uh, depending on how, how sure you're or, or how much you've wagered on that because you obviously got to say, oh, and you got to do the math in terms of, okay, what did I bet on this? How much do I have risked on this? You know, if it's a small bet, I don't say, you know, like if you bet something like $10 on it, then you know, it's probably not worth it. It's not worth your while. But if you've got like a $1000 right. or something substantial on it, then yeah, you absolutely want to hedge out of that. And you you know, the easiest hedge obviously would be to take the money line because it's like, then I got plus money on both teams winning the game. So, if I've got the Bengals at like a dollar 70 or whatever the money line is, obviously we encourage our listeners and viewers to shop around, you know, Then I got to say, okay, how much did I have wagered on the Rams Mm -hmm. in terms, let's say you bet $1,000 at 15 to 1, then a win on the Rams is going to get you $15,000 if those were your odds on that particular future. So then I got to say, okay how much do I want to wager necessarily on the Bengals' money line? You know, I got to, and I, you got to wager enough, depending on your bankroll and, and how much funds you have available, to, you know, make it worth your while. So you're going to want to maybe bet a little bit more than you bet on the Rams' Super Bowl future if you want to even out the money where you're, like, locking in profit. What I elected to do is kind of do a little bit of a hedge middle type of deal here where I took the Bengals plus the points at four and a half to see, okay, if, if it doesn't win, I've still got that Ram Super Bowl future, so I'm still going to make money out of the deal, but let's say the Rams win by one, two, three, or four points. Then I win both. So, you know, I've not only gotten a hedge, so I'm kind of trying to work a middle there with the one, the two, the three, and the four, basically a four-point middle. So, you know, either way I have locked in a little bit of money, but uh, maybe I'm being greedy or whatnot because I didn't just take the money line, but I just thought, you know, if this line was something like two-and-a-half, Dave, or three, or, you know, less than three, I would not do it. I would just, you know, go ahead. I'd go ahead and just take money line. I wouldn't take the points. But because you're getting at least three and four, what I would say are more key numbers, uh, at least we've seen that throughout the season, then, you know, I at least got those numbers in play. So that's what I elected to do on my end with that Super Bowl future. I think
3: it's a very smart hedge because, again, you do still have a very realistic shot of cashing both of those. But as you said, the bottom line is, and this is why it's really good advice at the help desk here, Is you've you've locked in a profit, and that's what we try to do and educate the gambler throughout the season. Mm. Here, when you have that opportunity, like Wes does here, you make sure you lock in a profit, and then to your point, if you hit both, great. But if not, you're going home a profitable man, uh, no matter what. And that's what.
2: And that's what we urge too. I mean, it depends obviously on the amount of the wager. You know, if it's something that you bet as a fan and you bet for fun because the Rams are your favorite team, you know what. The loss of the future if the Rams don't win Super Bowl 56 and you lose your Super Bowl future where it's not going to, like, break you. Right. But if you have a substantial amount of money, you have several hundred dollars or you have thousand or even more than that, you know, then the prudent thing to do absolutely is hedge because it's like, OK, I got this far. I'm going to lock in some money if it's a small increment you know, then you probably just go ahead and let it go.
3: And again, during the game tomorrow right here on VEASAN, our experts are going to be watching with you. So if you've you've got some sides here and you see how the game script goes, we'll also give you advice maybe of how to do some in-game betting tomorrow during during the Super Bowl as well. But that's very good advice from Wes. You know, Wes, we've talked a lot about Joe, Joey B and rightfully so, the swagger you you made the correlation maybe even to a Broadway Joe, Joe Namath, for the old-timers out there in Super Bowl three with the Jets. Let's hear from Joe Burrow himself. And this is about his training and how he does it in silence.
0: Don't don't have a workout and go and post it on Instagram the next day and then go and sit on your butt for four days. And everyone thinks you're working hard, but you're really not. You know, work in silence. Don't don't show everybody what you're doing. You know, let your let your your game on Friday nights and Saturday nights and Sunday nights show all the hard work that you put in.
3: I mean If that's not good advice, right, Wes? Yes. Don't don't put it on IG. Don't put it on your Twitter. Mm -hmm. Just go about Mm -hmm. your work. Get it done. Do it in silence. For a young kid, that feels like an Mm -hmm. old soul type comment. And Wes, I got to say, man, look, everybody's seen Joe Burrow. This is not a revelation. We saw what he did at LSU winning the national championship. We saw him win the Heisman Trophy. He comes in last year, has a devastating knee injury. And then he's comeback player of the year this year. And he just goes about his business. He feels like a different style cat as a Bengal here. And I think that's why a lot of Bengal backers in Burrow, they trust.
2: Well, that's the sign of a true professional by the way. He is in his second year mm. of a what we think is going to be a long and prosperous career here in the National Football League and I like that attitude, you know. Don't be about the gram, you know, and just post it there and be a cloud chaser, you know. We got we got too much of that on on the gram. No so, doubt. you know, be a professional, you know. Hey, I'm not going to post my workouts. I know I'm going to kill myself all season to stay in shape and to stay healthy and I'm going to be working out in the off season whether I win or lose, especially if I win, yeah, I'm going to take a week, and I'm going to party it up, but I'm going to be right back in that gym, and we're going to have these receivers here in the offseason to say, okay, fellas, we're running the route tree, because that's what all the great ones do, Dave. That's what all the great NFL that's quarterbacks right. do. That's what separates the Mannings and the Bradys and those guys from everybody else, and certainly Joe Burrow wants to be in that esteemed company, has a chance to do so with a Super Bowl victory tomorrow.
3: You know, you normally see it like in the NBA, you can go back to the late great Kobe Bryant, you know, like from one off season to the next, how just the jump and how exponentially better those individuals will get. You're right on the greats. Joe Burrow. I don't know how long he'll be out. Like you said, maybe a week. These guys will be right back at it and start training in mm-hmm. silence to Joey B's point. So they get even better in year three, which is really scary for the rest of the league. Cause Joe Burrow is pretty damn good as he stands. Look, you talked about Matthew Stafford earlier in the program, the arm talent he has. Let's look at some head-to-head props between these two very talented quarterbacks. One getting a little bit longer in the tooth. One just coming of age. Most passing touchdowns in this game. You can understand why Stafford, minus 140, Burrow, plus 105. But, you know, there's some game scripts here, and you go down the list here. You know, maybe a plus money for Burrow. If they're behind, Stafford doesn't have to throw for the touchdowns. When you look at these, right, how do you game script these and and get a correlation to a prop in a head-to-head scenario that you might like?
2: Yeah, and I think that's already baked into the cake, and we'll go down to the bottom of that graphic that we just showed, minus 140 on Burrow, because it seems like it's baked in that, okay, we think that this guy may be behind in the fourth quarter a little bit here, and he's a younger quarterback, and he's going to be more even though he's pretty wise beyond his years to want to make a play. We know Matthew Stafford, every young quarterback does that, Dave. I don't care, you know, if you're Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. Every young quarterback or when they were young in their careers has maybe had some throws that they would want back where it's like, ah, I got to make a play. I'm down here. And then you throw an interception. We we often forget Peyton Manning in his rookie year threw 30 interceptions in Indianapolis because, look, when you're talented and you think you can do it, you're going to want to make So we'll see if Joe Burrow kind of falls into that tomorrow. Matthew Stafford, I do believe, having 12 years. I know he still throws interceptions. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. Every starting quarterback in the NFL does. I got to think with those 12 years of experience and the limited playoff experience he had in Detroit, where he was always a sixth seed, by the way. So everybody's like, well, he never won in the playoffs. Well, number one, he didn't get there very much uh, often because he didn't have a great supporting cast like he does now. And he was always the number six seed, which meant they were the dead last seed in the (laughs) NFC before they went to seven teams with that extra wild card spot. So, you know, I think Matthew Stafford, you would think just by the experience and, you know, his 13th year in the league, that he's maybe going to be a little bit more cerebral about his process and say, you know what, if it's not there, I'm dumping it into the turf. I'm not going to try to scramble and, you know, get the ball knocked out. And that's why I played the under on his rushing yards. I also played the under on Burroughs rushing yards, even though I know he's a better runner. Uh, Then Stafford, of course, came in that college kind of spread offense that Joe Brady ran at LSU. So certainly he has the scrambling ability, but... You know, I don't think that these guys are going to make their money running the football, so that's why I think you're going to see either throw it away, live to fight another day, discretion's a better part of valor, whatever cliche you want to use, or they're going to just try to find some safety valves and just keep it moving.
3: I cannot wait to see how this uh, plays out tomorrow between these two quarterbacks. So again, when we assume Joe Burrow will be back in year number two if they lose, Dan Marino there in year number two never got back for the Miami Dolphins, mm-hmm. but better take advantage of the opportunity at hand. Wes, when we come back to in-pocket plays you and I already have for Super Bowl 56. Come on back. It is and the Sports betting
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is
0: Betting Across America on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Go! a huge score during the big game with BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and place a $10 money-on wager on Pro Football's final game of the season. If either team scores a touchdown, you're going to win $200 in free bets regardless of your wager's outcome. Just use the code SB200 when you make your very first wager. You're also going to earn BetMGM rewards points that you can redeem for room nights and dining at MGM Resorts Nationwide only at BetMGM. Eligible restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is now withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Dave Ross here at Circus Sportsbook. Wes Reynolds over at Mandalay Bay. And Wes, let's give the people some plays that you and I already have in hand and probably have had in hand here for the last week and a half here, trying to get the best of those numbers out there. And I'll start off with a couple of my plays here, Wes. And again, I did play the Bengals' money line when it was four and a half. Got it at about a plus 176, because you and I have talked about it a lot. Yes, there is some value now. We're seeing it go back up to four, four and a half here. But I really think traditionally, when you look at favorites uh, under seven points, it's either the underdog wins outright or the favorite covers. So I went with that play here, and I'm going to go with the underdog to win this game outright. And correlation here, if they don't win it outright – Okay, and the Rams do cover, I still don't think it's a, it's a two-score type game. So I'm going to take those 10 points in pocket and take the over 42.5. So I did get Bengals plus 10.5 and the over 42.5 there in a six-point uh, teaser. And then Evan McPherson, minus 115, over 7.5 points. Now, again, that could get a little bit tricky with game script, but I think you can book him for at least two field goals because, again, when they get down to the red zone, and we've talked a lot about it in the last couple weeks, these kickers are very capable. And Zach Taylor, and I know a lot of people out there on social media pull their hair out and go, oh, go for it. He doesn't do that a lot with this rookie out of Florida. He's going to trust his kicker, especially earlier in games. We saw it in the Tennessee game where they had opportunities to go for the kill shots early. Didn't do it. Kicked two field goals in that first quarter, six quick points uh, for McPherson here, and ultimately won the game, kind of playing it a little bit close to the vest there. So I do like the kicking there of Evan McPherson. is my best play here, seven and a half. I'm going to play those overs uh, for Zach Taylor and company to try to trust the kicker to get those early points. I know you have a lot more plays already in pocket than I do, Wes. What do you like in Super Bowl Fifty Six?
2: Yeah, before I get to that, Dave, I'll go back to your Bengals money line play and look. We got all kind of interesting trends here, and keep in mind, I often tell our listeners treat your trends as acquaintances and not necessarily as friends. Always give your trends a context and. Gee, uh, this was something that I found that was interesting. I think Steve Mackinan at vsin.com may have come up with this. The team with the better record going into the Super Bowl may be 29 and 19 all time, but has lost 11 of the last 12. Of course, the Rams had a better record than mm-hmm. the Bengals after the regular season, twelve and five versus ten and seven. So, I thought that that was interesting because the Chiefs had a better record than the Bucks last year, and of course, the Bucks won outright. So, I just thought that was an interesting trend to uh, point out. So, very uh, much, no, so, well, Wes. Uh, yeah, it yeah, really is. and and there you see it, mm-hmm. and again, right there I, on the on. I, sure, go ahead, I, Dave. I'm sorry. No,
3: Wes, you're right on. I mean, that's that's a very astute observation here. So, again, a lot of people that are new, and and you and I have talked about it a lot over the last two weeks. Everybody's going to bet in the Super Bowl. People that are not hardcore bettors are going to bet in the Super Bowl. And a lot of the novice gambler out there, to your point, Wes, are going to go, oh, well, look at the records. Rams had a better record. Mm-hmm. than I'm just going to weigh the four blindly mm-hmm. with the Rams. But that is an astute observation. When you really get inside the weeds, it's been the team with the lesser record Again, trends are not always gonna gonna cash each and every time, but they really have been a strong play here. And Steve McAden on Points Per Points Per Weekly has done a great job breaking those down. So Wes, I'm right there with you, and that's why I played the money line, not necessarily jumping on the four and a half.
2: No, and and I think that that's a good idea. And look, and we talked with Mike Piranio about it. Betters are willing to do that with underdogs where it's like, well, I don't know if I really want to take the points. I think they're just going to win the game. And that's why you usually see a lot yep. of underdog money line support, maybe more so than you would on an average week. So uh, I went with the Bengals plus four and a half. And we talked about this earlier. That is a hedge with the uh, hedge Rams Super Bowl future. I have from the summer at 15 to one. So we've went over that. The two quarterbacks. I'll combine this together. Burrow under eleven and a half rushing yards. Stafford under five and a half rushing yards. Yeah, these aren't statues. You know, these are (laughs) both guys, especially on the Burrow side, but Stafford as well, that have mobility. However. I don't think you want – your they, these coaches want their quarterback running the football. I think that they want some safety valves underneath if the pass rush comes, particularly in the Cincinnati case where we talked, with of course, with Chuck Pagano, where it's like, yeah, you're going to want your front four to get home. You're probably not going to bring a lot of blitzes because Joey B best in the league against the blitz. So you're going to trust – Floyd and Miller and Aaron Donald and that Rams front four to go ahead and get home. So Burrow may be rushed out of the pocket. That doesn't mean he's going to tuck it and run. So that kind of correlated into me playing Joe Mixon over 25 and a half receiving yards. I know P. Ryan got the touchdown last week. The one that really kind of kept the Bengals in the game in that AFC title game in the second half where it's like, okay, we got a ball game here. You know, they are absolutely in this and this is going to go down the wire. So I went with Mixon, though, 25 and a half yards, because I do think that he's going to get several receptions where it's going to be like five yards here, six yards here, where Burrow's just got to find somebody underneath, and also maybe run the screen game. Not that they're not going to use P. Ryan, but I think they'll use Mixon out of the backfield. If that rush gets home, use that rush of speed, that Rams rush's speed against them, and you know hit him with the screen game, and I could see them definitely doing that. Uh, Mixon under three and a half Uh, yards, minus 120 for the rushing attempt. Uh, For the first rushing attempt, I should say. We know Cincinnati, and probably early in the game, they're going to do it because they want to establish to see if they can run the football Rams are going to be waiting on that, so I think Mixon gets held under three and a half yards on that rushing attempt. We know Cincinnati runs on first down maybe a little bit too often. That's kind of been a lot of what the betting community or the betting analytics community, whatever (laughs) you want to phrase it as, has been talking about, and I think that they're absolutely right. I think Zach Taylor and company do run the ball a little too much on first down, so you know, it's tough for uh, a Bengal Tiger, so to speak. No pun intended to change his stripes here, so I like that under three and a half uh, minus 120 for yards on the first rushing attempt, and then going a little bit down the board, I did have yes on Joe Burrow to throw an interception because I do think a young, talented guy as wise as he is beyond his beyond his years is going to want to try to make a play and probably going to want to force one at some point. So the yes was minus a dollar thirty. I talked about the players with the pass attempt over two and a half plus 160 a little bit earlier in the show. Let me expand upon another one, okay. and that's Rams first time out. Minus a dollar Sean McVay, if he doesn't like something that he sees or he sees somebody lined up wrong or a defensive alignment uh, that he doesn't expect, he will go ahead and burn that time out. He is very liberal about using these. He does not, you know, hoard these like they're gold nuggets uh, in, a, in a mine somewhere. <laughs> he goes ahead and spends that capital. And, and there was a study, I believe, done at NFL.com. I forget the gentleman's name that did the study. It was one of their stats bureau guys. The Rams have taken the first time out in nine straight games. And Sean McVay actually leads the league in what is designated as an unnecessary timeout. So, Rams first timeout minus 115. I know that's kind of an obscure one, but I definitely like that. Uh, Cooper Cup over 28 and a half yards, longest reception. That was the only Cooper Cup prop I felt had value. I did not like the over receptions. I did not like the over yards. I felt it was taxed, but I think on one reception, this guy's the yak master, the yard after catch. So. So over 28 and a half yards, that was one of the first ones I bet on the prop market. Uh, no score in the first 6:30. Now you can do 5:30 as well. You're going to have to lay more juice, obviously, because there's less time. But I think teams, these two are going to feel each other out a little bit. And this is something that I played and I've cashed on it more often than not. Where you might not get the score, first score of the game, until late in the first quarter. So no score first 6:30, about minus a dollar 15. I'd endorse the under 5:32. You got to lay more vig, and then my dark horse uh, Ben Skoranek this. anytime TD a former uh, Indiana boy uh, formerly played at Notre Dame also played at Northwestern plus 950 for anytime TD I think everybody's going to Kendall Blanton in terms of okay he's the guy because he's going to be replacing Tyler Higby and taking those reps at tight end but Skoranek is a guy there's always somebody in the Super Bowl that seems to get a TD that everybody kind of forgets about that's like oh my god who the hell is that guy and so I think maybe that who the hell is that guy is going to be Ben Squironic. Plus 950. I've seen him at 10 to one for any time touchdown.
3: And Wes, again, in the championship game against San Francisco, he's wide open, right? And he just drops mm-hmm. it. It was a tough kind of over the shoulder. But the point is, is that mcVeigh's going to call plays for him. There will be designed mm-hmm. plays because again, if you're the Bengals, that's the last guy you're thinking about with the offensive firepower that they have at receiver. It's not going to be Ben. So I love that sneaky play right there at plus 950. I think there's really good value in that play. Hey, Wes, uh, can't wait for tomorrow. Obviously, you and I be together yep. again leading up to the Super Bowl. So, thank you for as always. And also want to thank Chuck Pagano, Jeff Jarrett, Eric Griffin, and Daryl Moose Johnson joining us. What a program it was today. Don't go anywhere because Brady Cannon, James Sweeney has got you covered right here. It is VEASAN, the sports betting network.